Well, it is a, uh, a pleasure to be here tonight on the, uh, the highest holy day on the American calendar, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I assume that for those of you who are here tonight, you either uh, don't like football very much or you were confused about what time the game started. Come on. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but if you don't fall into either of those two categories and you would like to check the score on your uh, mobile device, you can feel free while I'm preaching. Just uh, try not to cheer or yell. Um, people might think it's the Holy Spirit and be a little confused. Well, uh, the, the title that I chose for the, the sermon this evening is Galilean Idol, which you saw on the cover of the, uh, the bulletin. And um, that title is a reference to, of course, the TV show American Idol. And I, I drew the connection between this passage that I'm about to preach on and the TV show American Idol because uh, in this passage, Jesus becomes famous and, and huge crowds follow him around. And uh, the one thing that all of the contestants on American Idol have in common is that they want to be famous. Um, in fact, uh, there are a lot of them who uh, don't have the talent required to become famous, uh, and, and very few of them who actually do have the, the talent to, to required to become famous as, as singers. And so I've got to tell you, I've never actually watched an entire season of American Idol. I usually just watch the first couple of episodes where the, the, uh, the people try out. And I'm just fascinated by all the people who have such a strong desire to be famous that they have deceived themselves into thinking that they have the, 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 the talent required to, to become famous. Uh, but... Jesus did not have that problem. He became famous just by doing uh, what the Father told him to do. So let me read the passage I'll be preaching on. Uh, it is Matthew 4, starting with verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So, as I mentioned, Jesus becomes famous in this passage, and he's followed by crowds. And uh, he helps people in the crowd. He teaches them. He preaches to them. He even heals them. But um, I ultimately want to draw your attention to the fact that Jesus doesn't want people to remain part of the crowd. Uh, he intends for people who are following him around as, as part of the crowd to become his disciples, his followers, and he ultimately wants his disciples to do the same things that he does. Uh, so I'll first take a look at what Jesus' ministry looked like, and then second I'll look at uh, the results of that ministry. 
And then finally, I'll close with some uh, applications for, for us. So first, what did, did Jesus' ministry look like? Well, in this, uh, this text, it says that he, uh, he taught, he preached, and he healed. And uh, the teaching that Jesus did, it was in the synagogues. And this passage doesn't go into specifics of what he taught in the synagogues, but we do have uh, another passage of scripture, uh, which I'll read for you, which goes into quite a bit more detail. It's Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. Um, it says, He, Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what Jesus was doing is um, basically what any Jewish male at the time could do. He went into the synagogues. He um, was handed scripture, uh, what we now know as the Old Testament. Um, and he read a portion of it. And then he gave his interpretation of it. Now, the unusual thing about uh, what Jesus did, uh, what, not other, no, what no other Jewish males of his time did, was that he said that the scriptures were about him. And that is what amazed people and, and wanted, uh, made them curious about him, who he was, and, uh, and wanted to follow him. So that was Jesus' teaching in the synagogues. Then his preaching. And uh, his preaching was something that was not entirely uh, separated from his teaching. If the uh, passage that I just read from Luke is any, is any indication, he also uh, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom while he was teaching in the synagogues. But um, uh, I want to draw attention to the, uh, the content of his preaching, which was the good news of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom. Now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Chris went into detail about what the kingdom is all about. So I'll tell you a little bit more about what the good news is, is about or what the, the gospel is that Jesus was preaching. So when Jesus mentioned good news or gospel, the Greek word is euangelion. And uh, his hearers would have... Uh, have a couple of things in the back of their minds when they heard that word, euangelion. Um, there's an Old Testament background, and there's also a background in Roman culture. And the Old Testament background is um, the, the good news sometimes meant uh, good news about a, a victory in battle. Uh, we see that in the historical books of the Old Testament where um, a city or a nation would send out their army and uh, if the army won the battle, they would send a messenger back to the people in the city to announce the good news that there had been a victory in battle. Um, that's one part of the Old Testament background to, to that word. And the other part of the Old Testament background was the good news of uh, salvation. Uh, 
Um, and the equivalent Hebrew word for, for what Jesus was talking about uh, was used in Isaiah 40, verse 9, 52, verse 7, and 61, verse 1, which was the uh, scripture that, uh, I, that Jesus quoted when he was in the synagogue. And uh, those passages are all about uh, God, the God of Israel, setting up his kingdom and beginning to reign. Uh, that, so that's the, the Old Testament background of the good news. And now the Roman cultural background was a little bit, uh, a little bit similar, but it was not in reference to the God of Israel. Um, the Roman emperor was worshipped as a god at the time. Uh, he wasn't the only god. He was just one of several gods. Um, the, the Roman uh, state, the government, decided that it would be, um, it would be nice to uh, have the Roman emperor uh, worshipped as a god um, to cement the loyalty that, uh, that people had to him. And so the emperor's birth and especially his taking the throne were referred to as good news, as gospel, as euangelion. Uh, and in fact, there is a, um, an inscription that has been uncovered that's been dated to 9 BC, just a couple of years before Jesus was born, that refers to uh, the emperor's birthday as gospel. So that's the other, um, the other thing that Jesus' hearers would have in their background. They would have uh, the idea associated with good news that it's, uh, it's news of a victory, and it's news of uh, someone taking the throne. So that was the, the content of what Jesus was preaching. And so finally, um, there was teaching, there was preaching, and there is healing for the content of Jesus' ministry. So he healed uh, four groups of people, the, those people who are sick, those people who are possessed by demons, um, those people who had seizures or who were epileptics, uh, and the people, those people who were paralyzed. Um, and the, the interesting thing about the, the word for people who are having seizures is that it's related to the word for uh, moon. That you could almost translate it as being moonstruck because in the ancient world, people believed that, uh, that seizures were related to the full moon. Just an interesting note about that. Um, but Jesus' healing of, of people's illnesses was uh, a really cool thing that he did, obviously, and, and part of the reason why people were following him around. But it was also a sign that went, went along with Jesus' proclamation of the gospel. And uh, we know that in part from when John the Baptist, who had been uh, put into prison sent messengers to Jesus to uh, ask him whether or not Jesus was the Messiah, the one who was uh, promised to come. And that's in Matthew chapter 11, if you want to look that up later. Uh, but John the Baptist is in prison. He sends messengers to Jesus, and he asks, are you the, the one? Are you the, the Messiah? And Jesus doesn't say yes or no. He says, go back and tell John what you see. I heal people, and I preach the gospel. 
figure it out, <laughs> basically. Uh, he didn't say it in exactly that way, but he didn't say yes or no. He said, uh, basically, I preach the gospel, I heal people. In other words, I do the things that the Messiah does. And John knows that. Everybody knows that. So, figure it out. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what I wanted to uh, call attention to about Jesus' healing. So that was the content of Jesus' ministry. Now, what was the result? Well, obviously, he became famous um, first, and then second, he gathered his disciples together. And um, his fame spread all throughout the region. Uh, it says that it's, uh, people came to him throughout all Syria, and Syria is uh, the region that was to the north and to the east of Israel, mostly populated by Gentiles, non-Jews. The capital was Damascus, so people from that region came to follow Jesus around Galilee. Uh, and then all of the rest of the uh, regions that are mentioned in the list at the, the end of, or toward the end of this passage, were all regions in Israel. Um, it would be like if somebody were saying about the United States, people from the Northwest, from the Southwest, from the Northeast, from the Midwest, from the South, people from all over, basically, all over Israel were coming to uh, follow Jesus. So there was a, a mixture of, of Jews and Gentiles from all over Israel and even some from, uh, from outside. And uh, the people who were in the crowds who followed Jesus were kind of in a, in a middle area, I, I would say. Uh, they were kind of, they were between his disciples who had committed to follow him, uh, but they weren't uh, against Jesus like the religious leaders were. They were kind of in the, in the broad, uncommitted um, segment of, of, uh, of the population. Uh, they weren't, um, weren't necessarily uh, signing up to, to be Jesus' followers, but they just thought he was interesting. So, uh, as a result of Jesus gathering huge crowds, he gathered his disciples to him. It says in, uh, in verse 5-1. Um, and it's a, a very interesting um, transition. He sees that there are lots of people who need the gospel preached to them. They need to be healed. Uh, and so, he gathers his disciples to him. And this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount where he is training his disciples to uh, live life in the kingdom. And uh, I want to call your attention to the, the um, passage that Tommy read earlier. Uh, some of you might have thought that the same passage got read twice uh, because they are so very similar, but I wanted to call attention to that deliberately. Uh, he read Matthew 9, 35 through 10, 1. Uh, and these are both uh, Matthew, the, the author of this gospel, um, draw, summarizing what Jesus is doing. And uh, he is drawing attention to the parallels between, um, between these, these passages so that he can then do something different at the end. So uh, let's compare them. In uh, 4.23 through 5.1, we have Jesus going throughout Galilee. Then in 9.35, Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages. 
in the first one, we have Jesus teaching in the synagogues. Yep, we have Jesus teaching in the synagogues again. He proclaims the good news of the kingdom. Again, he proclaims the good news of the kingdom. Uh, He heals every disease and sickness among the people. And, not surprisingly, he's healing every disease and sickness. In the first passage, he sees the crowds. And again, in the second passage, he sees the crowds. But now is when he starts to do something different. In the first passage, he sees the crowds. He withdraws to teach his disciples. But uh, this is later, after he has taught his disciples. And uh, he sees the crowds in 9, verse 36. And then he has compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then he calls his disciples to him, but he doesn't teach them this time. He's already taught them. He, this time, gives them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then down in uh, verse 7, chapter 10, verse 7, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Matthew is organizing his gospel to draw attention, the attention of his readers to the fact that Jesus wants his disciples to continue his ministry. He wants them to do the exact same things that he does. He wants them to preach. He wants them to teach. He wants them to heal people. And so in chapter 4, he sees the crowds, and he withdraws to teach his disciples in Matthew 5 through 7. And then in Matthew uh, 8 and 9, there are several uh, healings that Jesus does. So uh, the disciples are obviously present when, when Jesus performs healings. And so at this point, at the end of chapter 9, the disciples have seen Jesus do healings. They've heard him teach on what life is like in the kingdom. And then he says, you do it now. So what does that mean for us, finally? Um, Christians and those, those who are in the church are, are those who have committed to follow Jesus as his disciples. And um, so I'll close with three kind of points of, uh, of application for us uh, as, we, as we look at this, this passage. Uh, the first thing that we can draw out of this, uh, these two passages is that Jesus doesn't want his disciples to feel superior to the crowd. Um, Matthew draws attention in the, the second passage, the later passage, that Jesus had compassion on the crowd because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Um, but all too often in, in, um, in uh, churches, you, you know, see people feel superior to those who are outside, who, uh, who feel like because they, they, have, um, they have the gospel that uh, in, in some way they are... Uh, are, are better than, than those who, who don't. Uh, and they lack the compassion that, that Jesus had. But 
Jesus doesn't want his disciples to feel superior. He wants people to he wants disciples to have the same compassion that he had. Uh, second, um, now some of you may be thinking, well, this sounds great, but right now I'm I'm just part of the crowd. I mean, I'm not uh, I'm not someone who has committed to follow Jesus, and uh, that's fine. Honestly, there's. Uh, not everybody is in the same place where they have uh, committed to follow Jesus as his disciple. Um, and if you're just part of the crowd, you have got a pretty good deal going on because Jesus will still teach you, he'll still preach to you, he'll still heal people who are in the crowd. But know this, there, there comes a point where uh, those who are in the crowd in the Gospels do need to decide whether or not they are going to follow Jesus as his disciples or whether they are going to choose against him. Um, and if you do a, a study of the, the word crowd throughout the Gospels, you'll see that. Early on in the Gospels, crowds follow him. Crowds are amazed at Jesus' teaching. Uh, crowds... Um, you know, eat the, the food, the, eat, eat the uh, loaves and fishes that Jesus had multiplied. And uh, toward the end of, of the Gospels, uh, the crowds welcome Jesus to Jerusalem uh, on Palm Sunday, and they sing uh, Hosanna. And, uh, but then a little bit later, you find the crowds turning against him, and the crowds have been influenced by the religious leaders to uh, call for Jesus' crucifixion. And um, those who are, who are in the crowds uh, throughout the Gospels, either you, they usually end up in one or two camps. They either uh, realize who Jesus is and they decide to follow him. They believe that, that he is who he says he is. Or they realize who Jesus says he is and they don't agree. They don't think he, he is who he says he is. Um, so there does come a point uh, in every person's life where they do have to um, decide. They can't, uh, can't be part of the crowd indefinitely. And finally, uh, Jesus doesn't want us uh, as his disciples to, uh, to stay part of the crowd. He wants us to uh, do ministry the way that he did. He wants us to uh, preach the gospel, uh, teach and heal people with the help of his spirit. So uh, you may be wondering, what does, can, can we really uh, heal people the way Jesus did? Well, yes and no. I mean, we, can, we do have the, the power through his spirit to heal people the way that he did. Uh, as I mentioned, though, uh, part of Jesus' healings were uh, specifically as a sign that he was the Messiah. Uh, but we have the access through the same Holy Spirit uh, to, to heal in, in much the same way. And uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, he makes clear that some people do have the gift of healing. He lists the gift of healing along with, with other gifts that people have in the church. Um, and James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that uh, you may be healed. And ultimately, Jesus is the one who has the power to heal, but his church is able to heal in his name. 
So that's what healing would look like uh, for us as Jesus' disciples. And what does preaching the gospel look like for us? Uh, and I'll combine preaching and teaching because they are so, so uh, uh, similar in Jesus' ministry. Um, the gospel that we preach as Jesus' followers uh, 2,000 years after uh, Jesus died and rose from the dead is a little bit uh, different from the gospel that he preached when he was in his earthly ministry. It's very similar, and it's a little bit different. Um, Jesus' preaching of the gospel during his, his ministry was about the inauguration of God's kingdom through Jesus' ministry. And the gospel that we preach is uh, also about that. But the gospel that we preach now adds to the gospel that Jesus preached because uh, the gospel that we preach now includes Jesus' own death and resurrection. Um, so it, it takes those two parts, uh, the inauguration of the kingdom and Jesus' death and resurrection, and combines them. And that, uh, that's how you get the, the gospel that we preach. And um, just to show you that this is so, um, I'll read the Apostle Paul's own um, definition of the, the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, this is again after... Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. So that is the gospel that Paul preached. Um, and it's the gospel that we preach. It, uh, it combines the, the gospel that Jesus preached, and, it, and uh, adds Jesus' death and resurrection to it. And uh, what they have in common is that they are all about Jesus. Jesus is the, the central port, point of the gospel. And so when we preach the gospel, we uh, imitate, um, we preach it like John Wesley preached it. Um, I don't know if, if uh, most of you have heard of John Wesley, but John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist church, the Methodist movement. Uh, he lived in the 18th century in England, and he traveled all around England on horseback, uh, for years and years and years, and basically he would preach anywhere he could find a crowd. He would preach outside, he would preach inside, he would you know, preach in the rain, he'd preach in the sun, he'd uh, go to people's places of work and preach. Any, any place he could gather a crowd, he would preach. And uh, all of this time that he was preaching, he kept a journal and uh, described the places that he went and what he did. And um, one of the days... Uh, that he wrote, that he described in his journal. He was uh, not feeling very, maybe he was tired. Uh, he wasn't feeling like he wanted to write very much. Uh, but what he did write was very, uh, a very good summary of what he was doing. He said, this is the entirety of, of his entry, I came into town and I offered them Christ. 
That's it. That's all he wrote. I came into town and I offered them Christ. And that's basically what preaching the gospel is. We come into town and we offer Christ to our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers. Uh, we offer Christ to people as, um, as their king, as Jesus emphasized in his gospel. And we also offer Christ to people as their savior, as Paul emphasized. And we do that because Jesus wants people to follow him as their savior and king. And uh, once people follow him as their savior and king, he wants them to continue his ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, uh, I thank you for, for giving us your ministry of, of preaching, teaching, and healing. And I, uh, I thank you for uh, those through whom we have received it. I thank you for all of those people who, uh, throughout our lives, have preached to us, have taught us, uh, and have healed us. Um, Lord, I, uh, I, I do want to... Uh, Repent on, on behalf of all of us for, for all of the ways uh, in which we have not imitated your, your ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing, uh, whether it has been out of uh, uh, fear, uh, whether it has been that we have, uh, have chosen not to rely on, on your Holy Spirit, or um, simply because we, we didn't know that we were, that's what we were supposed to be doing. Um, and Lord, I, I, I thank you for your, your great love for us. And um, I pray that you will give us uh, boldness to um, share your, your ministry with others. Amen.